Antler Up, episode 14, Jordan Lennon. Let's go. Antler Up, Edmonton, touchdown Elks. Hey, everybody, welcome to another edition of uh, Antler Up. Uh, and if you're joining us via YouTube or uh, via podcast, we thank you for taking the time for watching and for downloading. Don't forget to like, subscribe, uh, rate uh, to uh, this Antler Up episode. And also, don't forget to s- subscribe uh, to the Elks YouTube page for uh, more great content like Antler Up. Our guest this week on Antler Up is uh, Elks running backs coach Jordan Lennon. Jordan, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Good. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're, it's your first year as a professional coach, is it not? Yes, it is. It's uh, yeah, first year in the CFL as a, a professional How, coach. How's it been for you? Uh, it's been good. It's been a lot of learning. I've been uh, taking it all in, taking it in stride. But I've uh, been fortunate to work with a great group of dudes, so it's allowed me to learn kind of on my on my uh, feet. Let's go back. How'd you how'd you get the job? Talk about the process of, of interviewing and and getting hired by the Elks. Um, yeah, so I was uh, most recently coaching at the Division II level. I coached at Simon Fraser University in Vancouver. Uh, so I was there uh, for about three and a half years going into my fourth year. Um, wasn't sure if I wanted to continue coaching uh, at that level or if I wanted to move on. And so I kind of, uh, going into November, decided I was going to probably take the year off. Um, and then I got a chance, you know, connected with Coach Jones through some uh, mutual people that I knew. And uh, there was an opportunity here for, for a running backs position and also some stuff in football operations. So uh, it was something that I had wanted to do and something that uh, I had already previous in previous seasons had interviewed at other places for. Um, so it kind of was like a perfect storm and the timing worked out. But uh, Coach Jones extended me an opportunity to come here and be a part of the staff and work with guys that I had known previous like Jarius and uh, Marcus Howell so uh, for me it was a no-brainer and uh, it was a you know it was a little bit of a leap of faith because I hadn't coached on offense but uh, it was also a, a unique opportunity for me. Yeah, yeah, I want to get to that part later because you're a DB when you played, right? Yeah. Now you're coaching running back, so yep. we'll, we'll get to that story and how that happened uh, a little bit later on. Uh, had you met Chris Jones before, or was this the first time you kind of been in contact with him? That was actually the first time, uh, like I had talked to him formally, was over the phone. I had, you know, seen him in passing from my playing days or at, you know combines and things like that, but I had never actually formally had any conversations with with Jones. So uh, when he called me, you know. Uh, got a chance to talk to him a little bit, and then I talked to Coach McAdoo, and, and then from there we kind of moved forward in the process. Uh, Coach Jones has a reputation, rightly or wrongly, being a little intimidating, especially maybe the first time you talked to him. How was that for you? Oh, for sure. I mean, you obviously noticed right away his southern drawl, but it was uh, other than that, it was cool. I mean, he, he was very to the point, and he also kind of you know just told me what he was looking for and what he wanted, and then also gave me the opportunity to understand, like, hey, this is what I want. Uh, out of the experience and if that's if those two things align then it would work if it didn't it's all good but he kind of just you know allowed me to kind of give him a little bit of a rundown of who I was too so it was cool you have really uh paid your dues as a coach I mean when you look at your your coaching resume uh you started in the in the prairie uh sorry not in the prairie in the in the junior league with yep. Langley uh and uh, then you moved up to SFU uh more responsibility to SFU it looked like in your second and third year there uh and then you come to the pro uh pro ranks uh it's, you've you've done a lot of stuff so far yeah, I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, it's been a lot of, uh, you know, expedited learning and a lot of uh, opportunities to kind of move up fast at a more rapid pace than probably some coaches. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've been enjoying it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's football to me, you know what I mean, and getting to do different aspects of the football stuff, whether it was recruiting, coordinating, or, you know, coach special teams or any of the other titles that I carried along the way. It was kind of cool because I wanted to be a little bit more well-rounded as a coach, and it allowed me to do other things in, in the football world that maybe I hadn't done as a player. You mentioned some football operation stuff what does that involve yeah I mean everything right now for me has been kind of a mix of everything I got to do stuff from you know making sure we get players to and from the airport when we sign new players or if players have been released um, helping making sure that we're you know 
keeping track of personnel um, transactions around the league and around the NFL, um, helping just kind of do some overall kind of scouting and, and uh, personnel stuff as well for G. Roy and for, for Jones. And then also just doing the day-to-day stuff like, hey, you know, we got to get a player to an optometry appointment. All right, well, I, I guess I get to do that because I'm a low man on the totem pole. But, uh, you know, all those different aspects and just kind of kind of being more well-rounded on the you know the football operation side of things away from the coaching aspect making sure new guys have a ride from the airport you've been busy this year (laughs) very but you know fortunately we were able to put a system in place where we had some uh, external help but uh it's definitely been a busy year for sure as far as transactions and and bringing players in or or, you know helping players you know move on yeah it's been it's been busy on the transaction page that's for sure uh playing days um i know you you had some time in the CFL, right, right. In, in BC and Montreal. Right. Let's go back first, though. Uh, you started with the Langley Rams, right, playing junior football? Yeah, so <laughs> my football journey is a little bit all over the place. But uh, initially, uh, out of high school, I went to Acadia University uh, out in Nova Scotia. Uh, was there for a year. Um, decided to come home. Uh, had some family stuff going on. Came home to play junior the following year. Uh, played junior for, I guess, would have been three years, maybe four. <laughs> uh, and played, yeah, in Langley for the Langley Rams. And then from there, moved on. Uh, went back to school. Went to the University of Manitoba. And then from there, uh, I had time in Montreal. Uh, during that time in junior, I was also what was called a territorial exemption. So I got to play uh, with the Lions, practice with the Lions uh, for the 2011-2012 seasons. And then um, from there, moved on to going back to U of M and then moving on to Montreal. All right. And, and did you get any games in with Montreal? You were on the PR for, with BC for a while, right? Yeah, and I was then, on PR for a while in BC, and then in Montreal I didn't play. No. Um, I got through camp, and then that was it. I got released, and then I was back home. I guess that would have been 2015. So that was the last stop. And then I got brought back to BC briefly for a mini camp, and then that was 2016, and that was the last time I played. Okay. Uh, and then you, you have to make that decision. How difficult was that to say I'm – putting the playing career over here and moving on to something else? I mean, for me, it wasn't as hard as it is for a lot of people. I think I was in a position both mentally um, and emotionally, I guess, that I, I didn't really look at it as like that doom and gloom, that big cloud hanging over your head like, hey, you know, stop chasing the dream or, or get a job or whatever the, you know, different little sayings are. I think for me, it was more of a, a peace of mind. I think I had moved around and sacrificed a lot of like personal opportunities and personal um, things to to pursue football so when it came to those moments I was like you know what um going back to BC isn't a terrible thing being able to you know experience whether it's friends weddings or birthdays or you know different things that were going on that I had missed out on years prior it was I was kind of at peace with it so it wasn't it wasn't awful for me yeah some guys it's tough obviously but uh, sure. and and did you make the decision right away you want to move on to coaching I noticed you last played in 15 and you coached in 16 right. so uh, first did you have to get a real job in between uh, I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, again, I think I was one of those guys that always along the way kind of was able to do my own thing in terms of having opportunity to work. I worked in strength and conditioning, worked in personal training, did some stuff in like other areas and, and aspects and was able to kind of have a flexible schedule. So um, it wasn't about getting a real job per se right away. I, I came back home with the intention of just kind of taking a, a second to step back. I still had opportunity to continue to pursue football. Um, I just was in a place where I was like, you know what, again, I hadn't got to experience the, the weddings and the birthdays and all the different social things that I had missed out on and so when I came home um, I had no intention of coaching it sounds funny and people laugh when I say that but uh, I was kind of a a player that was a very intense person um, both just kind of by nature and by my leadership, I guess. Um, and so when it was about coaching, I was like, uh, you know, as a young guy, 25, 26, I don't know that I can separate the two. Me being a player and being a little bit more brash and in your face and then having to articulate my thoughts and feelings and talk X's and O's, I wasn't sure that those two things were going to align. Um, I kind of got hoodwinked into coaching. Uh, I played, like I said, in Langley, and they had asked me, you know, coming home from that, uh, from being in Montreal, they were like, hey, do you mind just coming out and helping for
for for spring ball i was like sure it's three days like no big deal when it helped out and then from there they were like hey do you mind you know coming to training camp just just help out the training camp i was like ah sure i'm around like i'll do it help the training camp and then they're like hey do you mind sticking around for the season and Lo and behold, fast forward, you know, six, seven years later, here I am. But uh, I, I think I was able to make the transition a little more smooth than I thought I would. And, I, you know, at the end of the day, I'm grateful for it because it put me in this position. Was there a light going on moment where you thought, hey, I, I want to do this for a living now? Uh, I wouldn't say there was a light going on moment. I think for me personally, I always loved the game. I still love the game. I think it's it's in me. Um, I, I don't really think that it was like a, hey, I think I could do this. It was more like I love everything about football. I love what it brings. I love the camaraderie. I love the brotherhood. I love the, you know, tactical or the X and O's aspect of it. I love, you know, what it can do to elevate, you know, group dynamics, things like that. So it was always a thing for me that I always gravitated towards, no matter what, whether it was coaching, whether it was, you know, personnel things, whether it was, you know, just even being involved in a team, you know, atmosphere. I always loved the game. So I think that's what kept me involved with football. It wasn't so much like, a, oh, I think I can be a great coach. I was just like, hey, I love coaching, but I'll, I'll see where it takes me. So this is your first year as a coaching pro. Yeah. Uh, What's the biggest difference you see? Because you've been with juniors, you've been with university guys. Now you're 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 coaching guys who are playing football for a living. Right. Uh, what's the big difference been for you? I think you know, obviously, at the end of the day, football's football. So I think the on-field stuff hasn't changed much. Obviously, the speed of the game changes, things like that. But I think the biggest thing I've noticed is just you know how you handle personnel, how you handle dealing with the different you know positional you know relationships or the you know offensive, defensive, special team unit relationships. Because I think now at this level, you know, if you're not adequate at your job, if you're incapable of doing the things that we need, you know, we we can move on and, and go find someone that is a little bit more capable or fits you know what we need. So you know, the university level, you you know, you recruit a guy. He comes in that you're committed to that guy for at least a year if not longer and it's a little bit different right at this level it's hey we can try and you know build that player to be the player we want him to be but if he's not then we, we can move on we have that luxury I guess you're starting to get a style as a coach uh <laughs> talking with players like you got guys who've been in the game playing like guy like James Wilder Jr. he's been in the game a long time he comes sure. from a football family right and now you're in your first year coaching and you're his coach at, at, at the running back spot uh what's that dynamic been like with the veteran players especially I think, well, I mean, the first part is always, are you old enough to be here? Or, you know, are you, how old are you? Like, let's see your driver's license. But no, I think overall, um, you know, I think I'm fortunate to have a, a personality um, that where, you know, I'm always going to be receptive and friendly and a coach's player per se. But I think I'm also able to articulate, you know, the expectations, the standards, the understanding of what we need to do as a group, as a position. Um, so I don't really have that worry of like, hey, if I say something, it's not being taken serious. I think I've been fortunate with the guys like Wilder and you guys like Grimes and some of the older veterans that have been around this league. Um, there's a lot of mutual respect, so it doesn't come down to a, hey, I don't know uh, if he's good enough to be coaching my position specifically. So you know, when I say something, guys listen, and if there's you know any kind of confusion or things that we need to address, we we can pull each other aside and have those conversations. Dynamics, I'm guessing, because I know that this coaching staff, most of them have been together for a long time. For sure. Like a long time. Very. Uh, how tough was it kind of getting in that inner circle for you? I think, again, that goes back to just, you know, Coach Jones giving me an opportunity. I don't think Jones is a, is a guy that doesn't bring a guy that he believes in or a guy that fits the the dynamic or that, you know, 
inner circle, that brotherhood uh, dynamic. And I think one thing he explained to me on the phone and, and Coach McAdoo kind of reaffirmed when I talked to him before I took the job was, you know, they're big on loyalty. So at the end of the day, you know, as much as I'm a great coach or as much as I'm a young coach and, and working my way up the ladder, it's, it's more about coming in, doing the right things day in and day out, making sure that I represent myself, those guys, the organization the right way. And then also, too, making sure that when it comes down to it, we're all, you know, staying together. And obviously you see how the season's gone. We've continued to make sure that that's been the status quo. Your time in BC would have lined up with Wally Buono. Yeah. Uh, have you have you drawn as a coach? Have you drawn anything from what you saw Wally do? I mean, I think you know, as a player, you kind of have your own perception of who the coaches are, and especially a guy like Wally. You know, what he's done in this league is unprecedented in a lot of ways, and you know, also just his energy and the the, the aura around him. Right, he kind of has that Godfather mentality. You kind of you you walk around in fear when he's in the building. But I think what I learned after I could step back and take the player mentality out of it was that, you know, he was big on, again, doing things the right way. And I think the other part of it, too, was he held everyone to the same standard, regardless of years in the league, regardless of position. It was always, hey, do things the right way or you won't be here. And, and I think the other part of it, too, is there was a certain standard for how you were expected to do your job even when he wasn't there. You know what I mean? So whether that's in the community, whether that's, you know, out in the off season, like there was just a standard that was always set. And I think that's one thing I, I respect that about Wally is like down the road, you realize that that's why he was successful as long as he was. because He had that mentality and it never wavered and he was consistent across the years in the league that he was in. Uh, there's an old saying, uh, a marketing slogan from EA Sports. Uh, if it's in the game, it's in the game. Well, funny. Jordan was in the game. He'll explain that to us a little bit more on the second half of Antler Up. The Elks are looking to get back on track this week in Calgary as they play the Calgary Stampeders, likely the most anticipated game of the season. It's the Labor Day Classic, Elks at Stampeders uh, from Calgary on Monday afternoon. It's a 2.30 start. You can watch it on TSN. You can listen to it on 6.30. Ched, 2.30 start time uh, on Ched. We've got the countdown to kickoff show beginning at 1 o'clock on Monday afternoon. And if you want to watch the game with some other Elks fans, well, why not head to Average Joe's in Sherwood Park for the Elks watch party? Lots of giveaways and lots of fun as you can uh, watch the game with some other Elks fan and enjoy yourself. Uh, Elks and Stampeders, Labor Day from Calgary. The Antler Up podcast is recorded in the Joey Moss Championship Suite. The Joey Moss Suite opened in 2022 to honor Joey, his great legacy, and to remember one of Edmonton's greatest heroes. The Joey Moss Suite is a great place to watch an Elks game from. To learn more about how to purchase the Joey Moss Championship Suite for an upcoming Elks game, email partnerships at goelks.com. Born in Lethbridge? Born in Lethbridge. You didn't live there very long, though, right? No, I was there for about six months. I couldn't tell you what it looks like, but I, I actually just got my It's windy. Birth- That's all I know. Yeah. <laughs> I just got my birth certificate uh, reissued a couple days ago, and, and they were like, you're born in Alberta? I was like... Technically, yes, <laughs> but I couldn't tell you what Lethbridge looks like. Uh, the the bios I read on you, you grew up in Vancouver in San Diego? Yes. Uh, the San Diego ang- angle. How'd you get there? Uh, so my mom married uh, a U.S. military um, serviceman when I was 10, and then so became my stepdad, obviously, and throughout that time, uh, the entire time of their marriage, we moved around because of the U.S. military, yeah. so spent a lot of time in San Diego. Uh, he was based out of Naval Station San Diego for a number of years, as well as Washington, based out of Everett, and then we moved to Texas. We have my grandparents live there as well. So being a military kid, just kind of typical, um, moving around a bunch, you know, different deployments and different, um, you know, stops along the way. But Vancouver and San Diego were the two primary places yeah. I spent most of my childhood. When did football bite you? Yeah, right away. I, I probably, 
I, it's funny. People that know me and know my situation know my mom's probably the biggest football fan in my family, even bigger than me. So she always kind of brought football around. We watched football as a family. Um, I was always around the Lions organization as a kid just because I was in Vancouver. Uh, she had a lot of friends that I played at the time. So um, it was always around me, and I think naturally I gravitated towards it. Uh, I didn't really start playing organized football until I was in the eighth grade or seventh grade, I guess. Seventh grade was when I started playing organized football, but throughout my childhood, cousins, uncles, everyone was playing, so I was always around the game. Did you get to many NFL games when you were living in the States? Uh, I went to quite a few. I mean, I used to live literally a five-minute drive, not even from Qualcomm Stadium, which is where the San Diego Chargers were uh, based out of before they moved to L.A. All right. All right, let's get to the EA Sports angle. This is something you've talked about a lot, and it's okay. it's kind of your, your claim to fame a little bit. Uh, you were... Uh, what's the phrase? Motion capture athlete yeah. uh, for, for EA Sports. So I picture one of the guys in the Velcro suits Basically. standing in front of the camera. Tell me a little bit. Of how, first off, how did the job come about? So, yeah, so I was uh, I was in Montreal. Uh, I got released, came home, back to Vancouver, started working in strength and conditioning, kind of was just doing that. Wasn't really focused on anything football-related. I kind of wanted to decompress and step away. And um, I was sending an email um, that came to me, and I kind of disregarded it. It was very vague, very, like, nondescript about what was actually going to be taking place. Um, so I, I discarded the email. And then uh, I got it a second time from another friend, um, and it was, hey, man, just check this email out. I think you could fit what they're looking for. It's in Vancouver. Just take a good look at it. So I did. Um, I ended up reading the body of the email, which I probably should have done the first time. And it was, it was still kind of vague. But if you knew, if you like know football, you're like, okay, this is something football related. So I saw that. I saw what the what the pay was. And I was like, okay, like, let me just send an email. It's worth a shot in the dark. So I sent off an email and uh, it connected me with a guy named Maisie Royster who uh, runs a talent agency called Third and One. Uh, they're based out of California, uh, Los Angeles specifically. And so basically he was the one that's tasked with kind of casting all the athletes for for EA, for Madden, um, other projects as well, but more specifically Madden. And he responded right away. He was like, hey, um, you know, I've heard about you. We'd love to have you. Uh, we're obviously actually going to be shooting pretty soon, but I'd love to get you in future shoots. But if you could, would you come by and just kind of work out for us? We just kind of see how you move because everyone else has been casted, had already been to a tryout. Sure, no problem. So I came through, went to the day that they were shooting uh, on set. I did some movement before the day was to start for the shoot. And he was like, hey, actually, we have a contract here if you want to start <laughs> today. So I was like, all right, took a shot at it, did it, um, thinking it would be like a one-off type deal. And, you know, fast forward six, almost seven years later, I've, I've been able to be consistently one of the one of the few athletes that's got to do the motion capture as well as coordinate uh, for for the game. So the last seven years of Madden, you're one of the guys who are, who are people are playing Madden, they're watching your body, basically. Basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah so basically, I mean, we are, we're in, the, like you said, the Velcro suits with all yeah. the markers, and uh, we're on the, on the soundstage. It's actually turfed, but we are on an indoor uh, soundstage, and we do all the movements, all of the celebrations, all the sideline living world type stuff. Um, we do a bunch of the different aspects of the game. So, yes, it's us in terms of the physical movements, but they obviously take the animation and do that in post-production and stuff. But as far as the gameplay and stuff, yeah, all the all the real-time catches, all of the big hmm. contact, big hits. We've done some really unique like celebrations, like the Lambo Leap, stuff like that. So I've gotten to do all that stuff, so it's been really cool oh, and really unique. And uh, I imagine it's a lot more hard work than it sounds. <laughs> 
I tell people this all the time. People are like, oh, you get paid. It's a cushy job. You're kind of just like doing like stunt work or TV work. I'm like, listen, there's no football job in the world where you're taking as many reps as we take in a day of shooting. Now, we get a lot of breaks and things like that, but it's kind of like, you know, the, the producers and the game developers, they don't understand what football is. Football, a play happens, you get about 45 seconds to a minute in between. In there, that's like, hey, all right, let's do it again. You, you know, big collision. Hey, let's do it again. Or you're running the length of the field, and it's like, hey, let's do it again. And so that's kind of where when I got into coordinating, I got to kind of help them understand, like, hey, you got to scale these things back because it is football, but it's not the type of frequency that yeah. you guys are used to doing. So you get a chance to say, guys, that's good, but that would never happen in football. All the time. There's we, we call them Madden moments or, or Madden uh, like moves because there's certain things that we do that is super un orthodox or unnatural and they're like hey we just need this for the game and then we'll kind of change the mechanics in post and so we do some really awkward like twists and catches and things like that or some hits like you're like if I got hit like that I probably wouldn't be playing football but <laughs> it's just kind of what they need and and you know that's the one thing that we get to help the producers do is kind of bridge the gap of like authenticity and animation and gameplay so and that's ongoing still you're still doing that ongoing I've, I'm, I'm here so my focus right now is this but uh, yeah they've been shooting continuously and now come, coming out of COVID, they've kind of gotten back into a more regular kind of semi-schedule. Cool. And I noticed, too, you're doing some some TV stunt work, too. Yeah. Uh, that have all, we seen you on anything? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I've, I've been in some stuff, uh, most notably, I guess, Superman and Lois. I uh, got to do some stunt work for their, their TV series, um, which is in their second season now. Uh, I got to do some stuff on Riverdale. And then also just most recently, before I came out here for the start of the year, uh, was in a reboot that's going to be coming out this spring uh, for Grease. Grease is doing, like, a spinoff of the movie into, like, a TV show format. Okay. So we got to do some stunt work for them as well i imagine all the stuff that shoots in vancouver you got a chance to to be on if they need you yeah i mean i've been fortunate definitely been able to be on some stuff that's kind of come about just through the network and being in the city as yeah. well you sure. got an imdb page I yet don't, i don't think so I, no. I haven't set it up so it's not on me if <laughs> okay. there is one it's not me that's running yeah. it but, all right uh, okay let's uh, let's wrap things up with uh, with jordan with uh, the red zone final three questions uh for uh, for jordan lennon elks running back coach first cfl game you ever saw Oof, that's a good one. Uh, first CFL game I ever saw. It would have been at BC Place, probably somewhere 97, 98. So I want to say it was probably BC against Hamilton, but I can't remember exactly. Okay. Uh, best football memory? Best football memory. Oof. Um, I think probably going to... Going to and losing, unfortunately, the national championship in junior. I think that was a, a cool moment for a group of guys that have been together for a while. So it was, it was a good one for me. That was with Langley? Langley, yeah. And what year was that? 2012. 2012. All right, last one for you. Biggest name in your phone? Biggest name in my phone? Uh, probably, probably Odell Beckham. That's pretty good. Yeah. Fortunate to have the same agent when I played, so I got to meet him and get to know him pretty well through our time, just through our agent and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. What kind of guy is he like? Great dude. Absolutely yeah. great dude. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. All right. Jordan, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. It's good to get to know appreciate you a little bit, and uh, congratulations on getting the job and uh, continued success with it. Awesome. Thank you for having me. All right. Uh, he is uh, Jordan Lennon. I'm Morley Scott. We'll see you next time on Antler Up. Antler Up, Edmonton. Touchdown, Elks. He'll walk the dog to the end zone. Antler up, Edmonton. Touchdown, Elks.